All right, so I need to hear from you. Because I got to be honest, I'm a little frustrated. I feel a little frustrated to start the show. Because I, I, I feel like in the case of, of Little Winter Smith, I feel like this could have been avoided. I feel like this little girl could still be with her mom and her grandmother and the family wouldn't have to be dealing with this. So it's frustrating. Um, and, and I really want to hear from you about this case that the Supreme Court is going to, to hear. Because this isn't the matter of whether or not there should be red flag laws or background checks. This is none of that. This is different. This is if people who are convicted of domestic abuse, should they be legally able to own a gun? And you heard Todd Flood. The the historical precedent that the Supreme Court used in the case out of New York, it, it takes the balance away from the court. And if you're a Second Amendment absolutist, then I imagine you would view this and say, well, if you're somebody who lives in this country, then you should be able to own a a weapon. You're an American citizen. Although there are laws against certain crimes and whether or not you can own a gun if you're a if you're convicted of a of a violent crime or a a felony, a federal crime, all of those things come into play. But I, I, I'm, I'm curious to know where you're at on this, because out of all the landmark decisions that the Supreme Court has handed down thus far through a little over seven months or six months this year, this could be one with some of the most wide ranging ramifications based on the fact that a certain class of people, meaning those who were or are convicted domestic abusers, and whether or not they'll be able to own guns. Because there are those that oppose this, that that oppose the Supreme Court even taking this case up, that's saying that you're going to put domestic abuse survivors, victims, children, their families, everybody will be in danger here because you've got somebody who is a a convicted abuser that now is able to have a gun. And that that is scary. And it, it does strip away the protections for those people. But at the same time, there is something to be said about in in this particular case involving Rashad Trice who took the life of this two-year-old beautiful girl, that he was out on probation, shouldn't have been able to to own a gun. He got a gun, allegedly. I'm going to say allegedly because we don't know yet completely. He hasn't been charged with murder. But but this is kind of the slippery slope we go down. And I'd love to hear from you. 800-859-0957. 800-859-0WJR. Because whether it's affirmative action um, or the, the, the case of the website designer out in Colorado, th- this, could, this could have some wide-ranging ramifications. And, if, and, and if, if you court followers 
who watched the Supreme Court, and you look at the Braun case, which is the case out of New York, and the the established gun laws there that Clarence Thomas wrote in the majority opinion should be consistent with the nation's historical tradition of firearm regulation. If you look at that case, don't take my word for it. You go back, greatvoice.com, listen to Todd Flood's uh, testimony on it. The Supreme Court has has taken away their balance, their their ability to weigh the matters, and, and they may have to go back on what they ruled in Braun to, to look at this particular case. So they wouldn't even be able to go off precedent. So I'd love to get your thoughts. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. You can call or you can text that number as well. Let's go to JT in the D. What's up, JT? Hey, good afternoon. Hey. So I have a very strong opinion about this, and I'm okay. glad you're asking for calls. If someone is convicted of a crime, any crime, using a weapon of any kind, whether it be a firearm or a knife, that person should then be forever barred from owning another firearm. Are you are you a gun owner? I own several guns. Yes. Okay. So so what I've come across, JT, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I've come across responsible gun owners are are the most stringent and protective of the Second Amendment. And, and I mean responsible gun owners, truly re- who people who respect what these machines are. And, and whether that's from a hunting perspective or a personal protection perspective, I find that people who, who are gun owners and truly abide by the Second Amendment are the most stringent and, and, and most serious about gun ownership in the Second Amendment. I, I, I happen to agree with you. I think if you are if you are somebody who has once who, who was once convicted of a crime involving a gun, and I don't I, I would take it even that step. I know you said any weapon, but I I would take it to the step of if you've been convicted of a crime involving a gun, you shouldn't you you've lost that right. Absolutely, and I am a responsible gun owner, and I am a very stringent supporter of the Second Amendment. I, it's what I found. Hey JT, I appreciate the call, my man. Thank you. Eight hundred eight five nine zero nine five seven. Off dip to Lanny. Talk to Bill. What's up, Billy? Hey, uh, yeah. Um, I think uh, you know we just got to get back to common sense mm-hmm. law. Um, I, you know, the rule that's been the law is: if you're a felon, you can't own a gun. Correct. If you're a felon, okay. So that, and I agree with that. But um, when when you get when they start making these stupid red flag laws like they got in Canada, then you're and in Michigan, and in Michigan, Bill, and, and in Michigan, and in Michigan, yeah. But Canada's had them a lot longer, and they're a lot worse there. Um, you know, things things are gonna get wacky. And look at New York City; you can't have a gun in that dang town and that's a you know that's, i won't even go there to visit you know, I, I, I well, yeah i appreciate I, i've heard people say that too bill and i appreciate the call um i, I yeah I, I am of the belief that more laws won't work i would like for 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 the laws to be enforced and whether that's going back to the case at, at michigan state involving that shooter 
um, or or cases around the country with with similar trajectories uh, in, involving this Winter Smith case. I, I just want if, if you break the law, then you do the time. It's it's you, you want to talk about common sense. That's common sense. You break the law, you 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 have to you have to face that punishment, whatever that punishment is. And I understand there is is the the question of evidence and whether or not you've got enough to go to trial. I, I understand all that. But for, enforce the laws that are on the books. I mean, you look at the last two mass shootings. Somebody who wasn't able to get a gun got a gun, and somebody who got a gun or was able to get a gun got a gun. Mike's in Detroit. What's up, Mikey? Oh, yeah. You know, the the idea of these uh, prosecutors in these Democratic venues in the inner city is the idea of restorative justice, where it's just so important to restore these people back into, uh, you know, into society where they don't belong. These are criminals, violent criminals and so on. And these prosecutors are letting them out of jail, the no bail thing and so on. That's the problem. It's not the Second Amendment. You know, and uh, I'm sure that you're aware of that. Well, uh, Mike, Mike, there is no doubt that particularly prosecutors and and DAs, all of those folks, they they look at now recidivism rates and they don't want people to, to come back into the system. Well, that's all well and good. Again, common sense. You break the law, pay the punishment. It's that simple. And for a guy who is now charged as a fourth habitual offender to go out and have the ability just to be out and about and the ability to go rape someone and kidnap a kid is disgusting. All right, got to take a break. More next on JR Afternoon.